Welcome, 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 Jets fans. I know this is not the voice you're used to hearing. The silky smooth Dalton Asaro is currently off this week. Um, he didn't get voted off the island. He still has his immunity idol. He'll be back next week. But, um, of course, I'm always joined by James Coots and Joe Bellick. Joe, I'll start with you. A week later, I know Zach Wilson wasn't your cup of tea, but Elijah Moore is calling him the general. He's rocking an all gas, no brakes bracelet. The juice has got to be flowing a little bit, right? <laughs> Listen, you know, um, Zach Wilson is a Jet right now, right? So I'm going to have to love him. I'm, gonna, I'm trying to love him, and I'm trusting that Joe Douglas knows more about this selection process than I do. Obviously, we all know that there were two quarterbacks I preferred over him. But this is, again, right, this is the perfect system for him. And, yeah, I'm, I'm going to root for him. You know, and I'm not going to be one of these guys who wasn't high on Wilson who, as soon as he has a – a bad couple of games. I'm going to throw him under the bus. Like perfect. I understand perfectly that it takes time to develop and I'm going to give him that chance to do so. But I'm pretty excited. I mean, like when you look at Michael Fleur and what he could do with Zach Wilson compared to what he did with Jimmy Garoppolo when he was a passing game coordinator for the 49ers, it's kind of a world of a difference between those two guys. You know, Jimmy didn't really have this deep ball part of his game. He's just not this big deep ball guy, meaning he doesn't really like to throw the ball 20 plus yards down the field. Right. Even in 2019, when the 49ers went to the Super Bowl, Jimmy G was actually the last in the league for starting quarterbacks on deep balls going over 20 plus yards down the field. So now you have this kind of quarterback who adds a completely different element to the game that I think should have Jets fans pretty comfortable. You'd see Jimmy G in these situations. And I've watched a lot of 49ers football looking at Jimmy G and just seeing like the kind of quarterback he is. And you would see him routinely have a wide receiver isolated on the outside in a one-on-one situation and just not pull the trigger on the, on the deep pass. And you're just like, dude, Jimmy G, what are you doing? You know, so we don't have a guy like that. We actually have a guy who's not afraid to pull the trigger on that deep pass. And I think Michael Fleur is going to be pretty ecstatic to have somebody like that in the offense. And I think that this offense will now kind of start to resemble a little bit more of that 2016 Atlanta Falcons where, you know, they went down the field a little bit more. They still weren't crazy going down the field because, listen, Kyle Shanahan d- does still like to attack in that short to intermediate area as compared to like going deep. But in that particular year, when they went to the Super Bowl with the Falcons in 2016, they still went down the field twice as much as Jimmy Garoppolo did the year they went to the Super Bowl with the 49ers. So I also can see them kind of like him looking at his brother and looking at what they do with Aaron Rodgers and just, you know, how Aaron Rodgers is just this stud throwing the ball deep down the field. It's like one of the things he's really good at. In the last two years under Matt LaFleur, he was actually had the most attempts of 20 plus yards. So I think we're going to have a nice amalgamation of these kind of different offenses. And with a guy like Zach Wilson, dude, get prepared. We're going to see some bombs, you know, flying down the field, man. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I'm really excited to have a Jets offense that isn't really afraid to pull the trigger. And really, Sam got so gun shy by the end of it. He was really just watching like a watered down Alex Smith. And I'm really excited for a nice change of that. James, first off, how are you? And second, (laughs) Zach Wilson, what are your expectations for his rookie year? And do you think he has a shot at winning Rookie of the Year, which has become a QB award, and he is one of two quarterbacks that looks like they have a clear path to start week one? Well, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. And to your second question, I think he has a better shot than the odds indicate. So right now, he's the fifth uh, heaviest favorite to win Rookie of the Year. His odds are 10 to 1. Um, and he's behind basically every other quarterback um, that was drafted. And I don't really understand this. Like if we look at rookie of the year, it's mainly a stats award. And what do we know about Zach Wilson? He's going to be starting week one. He has a decent supporting cast around him. Um, And if he can accumulate 
pretty good stats. I think he's going to have a good shot, especially when you consider the fact that the leader, Trevor Lawrence, um, is in an offense where they just drafted a top running back prospect to be a third down back. So I don't have full confidence that they know what they're doing in Jacksonville. And I think Zach Wilson has much better odds than uh, Vegas is giving him credit for. You know, I definitely agree. I'm actually really excited to see if Zach Wilson like hits the ground running and if Trevor Lawrence has those struggles, because this may be a hotter take, but I think Zach Wilson's offense is going to be more similar to what he's ran in college. And I think what Urban's going to do is the antithesis of what Clemson ran with all of Tony, it's R- Tony Elliott's RPOs and stuff. And I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be awesome. And long-term, even though I don't like the Jack situation that much, I do think he's going to be the best quarterback from this class. But I think those first eight games are going to be a little, going to have some growing pains for him because I think he can process. I think he's going to be able to do well. I just think it's going to take him some time. And while Zach Wilson, I think the Jets are going to do a good job incorporating the outside zone system that he ran at BYU and then putting some some air raid stuff in that he also ran. Joe, you've been on about this offensive line, about how it needed to get better. And Elijah Vera Tucker is one of our favorite players in the entire draft. Not just how good can Vera Tucker, Vera Tucker be, how much can he help the rest of that interior offensive line unit? Because Connor McGovern in a Shanahan scheme in 2019 was a pretty good center. And then when he came here, he was kind of a bottom 10 center. Do you think Baratog is going to help him get back to form? I think, you know, McGovern's, you know, kind of lack of production last year and his him regressing kind of to his 2018 form as opposed to like what he showed us in 2019 um, has a lot to do with, listen, he's not a robot. He's a person. I think it takes time to acclimate. There were five new guys he was playing with. But again, it was also the guard play next to him, right? Greg Van Roden, even Elfline came and he started to play a little bit better. I think that played a huge role in just the way he was processing information because you want the guys around you to be smart too. You can't just leave that all up to the center, you know, processing information and delegating that to the guys around him. So I think now with somebody like Elijah Vera Tucker, a very smart and instinctual player, of course that's going to help him. I think that that might help catapult him to the next level. And we also have to remember that Connor McGovern, most of his issues last year were in pass blocking. And that, again, has a lot to do with processing information and really working well with the guys next to you. His run blocking was pretty stout. Like the run blocking, when you look at their adjusted line yards last year compared to the year before, they were like ranked 17th last year compared to, I think it was like dead last right in 2019. So, and that's, again, with five guys playing together pretty much for the first time, running like more, even more outside zone. And when you're running zone, continuity along the offensive line is even more important than, say, if you're running in a gap system. So I think now with three guys coming back who are all on the sick, who are all familiar with each other with Becton, Fant, and McGovern, and adding somebody like ABT to that line, I, I think it's looking good, man. I'm optimistic as far as how much farther they can progress and get better. The Vera Tucker trade has been a hot topic on Twitter. A lot of the analytics uh, community was not a fan of giving up two round picks for a guard. In your mind, how good does Vera Tucker have to be this year and then for his entire rookie contract? for this trade to be a slam dunk for the Jets? That's a really good question. Um, And it's a really tough one to answer. Um, I guess I would just say this. I think from the, from what I've seen on Twitter, Jets fans are obviously defensive about the, about the trade up uh, conditions. Um, And what I'll say is this, look, every GM in the history of the NFL has thought that their trade up was a good idea and that it was for a good player and that they knew better than everybody else. But over the course of history, it's been proven that earlier draft picks are overvalued by NFL GMs and that later draft picks are undervalued. And 
So generally, my instinct is always to say trading up is generally not a good idea because you sacrifice later picks to get an earlier pick when it's not proven that having that earlier pick is actually going to make your team better. But I think in this case, it is easier to justify just because it's a position of need. Barrett Tucker is a slam dunk prospect who has positional versatility, and he's a really good cultural fit, both in terms of the scheme with outside zone, then also as a leader him being a captain at USC. So your question directly, um, I think the, okay, I think the, people are always going to measure the circumstances of a trade by who he was traded for. So people are going to say, how did Wyatt Davis's career go? How did Christian Darasaw's career go? And how did Telemann's career go for that matter? Um, I think it's generally going to be a tough um, trade for him to live up to just because, I mean, we talked about Darasaw a lot leading up to the draft. And from what I recall, we were all pretty high on him um, as a player and he's very gifted. And I know Davis is, you know, this kind of was seen as a blue chip guy, didn't have a great last season, but he seems like a pretty solid prospect. Um, And Mond, obviously a developmental quarterback. So I'm not really sure if it's going to be very easy for Elijah Vera Tucker to live up to the circumstances of this trade, just because, you know, if if him and Darius are comparable players and then you get something out of either Mond or Davis, the Vikings won that trade. So, I mean, I, that's what, those are my thoughts. You know, I, I definitely think it's gonna be hard for him to justify it, but I think something that's going to be a good barometer the Jets fans should use is how important he is to Zach Wilson's development. Because we saw Zach Wilson's pockets at BYU. He had all the time in the world back there. He could really just sit back and launch it. And if he, if he's like, very time gives him those pockets in the NFL and he becomes a franchise quarterback, we hope he can be. And when you take a quarterback at two, that's obviously the mindset. And if Zach Wilson's a top 10 guy or better, and Barrett Tucker is a part of that, I don't really think anyone can second guess the trade because Barrett Tucker was a, would have been an important piece to get you the most important thing in football, which is a franchise quarterback. Yeah, go ahead, James. Do you want to, uh, I think you have a big question for Joe. Yeah, so Joe, I have a kind of question for you. I was talking yesterday with uh, this coach at USC named Viani Talamai-Vau, and he's uh, an offensive quality control coach at USC. But basically, I asked him who he thinks AVT compares to in the NFL as a player. And one of the names he threw out was somebody who actually plays center. Uh, and that was Jason Kelsey, um, obviously, who's plays undersized, but is renowned for his movement ability um, and his power and explosiveness. I was just wondering if you have any thoughts on that. I think that's a fairly good comparison because I, I think they're both really good, like in this outside zone and, and reach blocking. It's Jason Kelsey is one of the best reach blocking centers in the league. And he actually uses this particular method where he gets his drag hand and he actually gets it on the inside and just kind of washes a guy downfield and then slowly kind of turns his hips and gets in front of him and displaces him. It's like a really unique ability. And Elijah Bear Tucker has a little bit of that in his game too. He does a really good job of getting outside leverage on a guy he's trying to reach or scoop block. So I, I think that's a pretty good comparison. I don't know that, you know, we're playing ABT at center. He's more of a left guard tackle prospect, but as far as like what they can do on the field in this particular zone system, I, I think that's a good comparison. Guys, since I'm hosting the show, um, it took everything in my being not to make it 40 minutes about Elijah Moore, but we have to talk about my beautiful boy, someone I've been banging the table for since January. And Joe Douglas made my dreams come true. I, he's rocking the number eight, and it just looks so, so clean. Joe, you told me you had a good analogy for Elijah Moore. So I'll, uh, let me hear it. Yeah, I, I have a kind of an analogy for 
I guess, wide receivers in general. It seems like there's a negative connotation to it, but not, not really. It's a, I think it's more of a positive thing. Let's just say wide receivers are the snake oil salesman of the NFL. They're always trying to get corners to buy something faulty so they can capitalize on their mistake, right? And Elijah Moore is one of the best salesmen in the draft. I mean, employee of the month type of shit, no joke. Whether it's a double move, a stutter step, or a stop and go, he does such a good job of fooling a cornerback into going into one direction so he can exploit him in a different direction. He's just really fun to watch. And it's, it's truly just a testament to his great route running. So yeah, NFL corners should definitely be wary because this guy is at the top of his game when it comes to making those sales and producing on the field. That's for sure. Jets fans should be excited. You know, Elijah Moore is legit nasty. I know you love him, Meeg. So what do you think about my cop there? My, my analogy. I mean, Elijah Moore, like, I just like, he, like he takes souls out there. JC Horn, he like, that was CB1 to the draft community. It wasn't CB1 to me, but Elijah Moore worked him. And you like, when he, when he went up against the biggest corners, he's not the biggest guy, but on the biggest stage, he makes the biggest plays. And that's really what I love about him. I just think he's so, so fun to watch. And like Jets get like the Jets have had six receivers had, go over 1200 yards in their entire franchise history. Four of those were Don Maynard before 1970. It's been happy. It's happened twice it's like since I've been alive, it was Lavernius Coles and it was Brandon Marshall. And I'm so excited about Elijah Moore. James, my question for you is, how excited are you for the Elijah Moore-Zach Wilson relationship that we can already see budding? And over their rookie contract, how important that connection is going to be to the Jets offense? Well, I think it's super interesting because just from what I've seen from the 49ers, I'm not sure if there's a receiver who's super comparable to Elijah Moore in either his skill set or deployment. Um, and so I'm kind of interested to see how they use him. But pivoting slightly, the receiver who I am really excited about uh, pairing with Zach Wilson is Denzel Mims. I think their play styles are perfect for each other. If you have a quarterback who loves to throw back shoulder fades and arguably throw 50-50 balls sometimes down the field, you need a receiver who you know, like deep in your bones, is going to catch the ball or nobody else will. And that's Denzel Mims. That's what he excels at. I mean, we saw the plays he made against the Chiefs, the Chargers, even where the Chargers were, the, the corner literally stacked him on a go ball. And somehow he caught the ball like being stacked by the corner, which is like impossible, but he managed to do it. And I think that's the skill set that's going to make Zach Wilson really successful. So Elijah Moore, super curious to see. Denzel Mims, I'm really excited to see him. Yeah, I love Denzel Mims. I had, an, I had a tweet this week about how I really think he's going to have DJ Chark second year in the league, and I really like that comp in the play style, just how that big, fast physical receiver goes up and gets it. And if going from Denzel Mims from like from Gunnar Romney, I don't even know what kind of upgrade that's going to be for Zach Wilson. So just seeing him play with real athletes is going to be really exciting to watch. Michael Carter was a pick that, I really liked. I was shocked he fell all the way to 107. If you listen to the Jets staff, they think he would, they would have taken him in the third round if they didn't make that trade up. And he reminds me of a certain running back that Kyle Shanahan had in Atlanta with Devontae Freeman. But Joe, my question for you is about actually another running back in Aaron Jones, who Michael Fleur's brother Matt uses a lot as a receiver out on the, and not just been in the backfield, but lining him out outside. Do you think we could see Michael Fleur use Michael Carter in a similar role? 
My, absolutely. Michael Carter is one of the best receiving backs in this entire draft, maybe the best one after Najee Harris. He's also one of the best route runners. You know, it's not just his hands. He runs really good routes. I'd say him, Najee Harris, and that kid Felton, did he go to the Browns, Felton, are like the three guys who are at the top of the, the draft as far as like their route running. So I definitely see him going out there, putting him out, putting him in the, in the backfield, running him in motion, and just doing all types of dirty things with him to confuse that defense. And yeah, I'm ecstatic. I think that I actually said that after the draft that if I, if there's one player in this draft who might have an Aaron Jones type of impact in his career, who might actually be this later round guy who ends up developing, I said it would be Michael Carter. You know, I compared him there to Aaron Jones in that regard, because Aaron Jones, I believe was, was a fifth round pick himself. Um, and I thought just as far as Michael Car Carter goes, his vision, I don't think people realize like his vision is, is almost elite. He sees the field so well and, and he always seems to know where he needs to run. And he just, just such an awesome job of pressing the line of scrimmage and setting up the blocks to get where he wants to go. You know, couple that with his elusiveness and his processing skills, and he's just an explosive play waiting to happen. It's not surprising that he had the most 20-plus yard gains of, of any running back in the last two years in all of college football. And it's not surprising that both him and Javante Williams have, as far as the percentage of their runs going for 10-plus yards, they're number one and two in that category. So, dude, this guy is great. And as far as, like, how they're going to use him, yeah, hopefully they use them the way they're intended to, because this guy has a lot of upside. And I completely agree with you that he has that Devontae Freeman kind of ceiling. And if he could be that 2015, 2016 version of Devontae Freeman, where he had over a thousand yards rushing and caught about 50 to 70 balls. I mean, this guy is just going to be outstanding. Now, maybe I'm setting a little bit of a high bar. Maybe I'm being a little bit of a Jets homer, but I really believe he has that kind of skill set. And now it's just up to the Jets to nurture that and hone it. James, you don't like running backs. I don't really like running backs. The website, I think that hates them more than both of us is PFF. And they thought Michael Carter was good value at 107. So what are your thoughts? I think it's good value. I wasn't a fan of the idea of taking him in round three with either of our picks. Um, but I do support it. I think he's a really good scheme fit. Um, when you look at the things that are important for outside zone, I'd say athletic ability, change of direction, decisiveness. These are all things that you need and all things that Michael Carter excels in. Um, not to mention the fact that he's a really high character dude, good fit with what Joe Douglas is trying to do with the team. So overall, I'd say it's a good pick. And I think he's probably the rookie who is really gonna like beat out other people at his position, besides, obviously besides like, you know, Zach Wilson, Elijah Perry Tucker, but I think he has the chance to be a day one RB1 for this team. Um, you know, maybe splitting reps initially, but definitely taking on that mantle later on. Yeah, anyone who plays dynasty fantasy football, if you want like a later round find, Michael Carter, I think is gonna be a guy who has a really clear path to the field that isn't a first round running back, but everyone who like barely watch college football knows. I think that's gonna be a nice pickup and I'm really excited to watch him play. I got a question. We're not really going to go over to the defensive players this week, but I got a question. I'll start, Joe, with you, then I'll go to James. Robert Sala didn't really – he didn't know defense until the fifth round. And this cornerback room isn't great. This linebacker room's got some questions. The defensive line is nasty. Do you think Robert Sala is overestimating his ability to scheme up a defense, Joe, or are you confident that this can be a middle-of-the-pack defense and one that really has a really dominant pass rush? When you saw what he did last year with some of his injuries, still being in sixth in defensive DVOA, I think Salah definitely has the capability of taking a team that's maybe not as good on paper and having them outperform what's expected from them. So I do have some reservations because there are clearly some holes. Like we don't really know who's the slot corner. We don't really know who's going to be the weak side linebacker. We don't really know who's going to stand out in corner opposite of Bryce, right? So I am a little wary, but 
like I said, Salah is a really good coach. That's why they brought him in here. So he's got to be able to do that. And I, I am curious to see who's the weak side linebacker. And they've kind of brought in Jamie and Sherwood. They brought in, you know, Hobson, Nazarel Dean. Maybe those guys can take on that role. Or I am curious to see what maybe Gerard Davis could do. Because when you saw the 49ers defense and kind of the way to deploy Trey Greenlaw, he was their Sam linebacker in their base down. And he made him the weak side linebacker when they got into nickel. So I am curious if he's going to be use Gerard Davis in that particular uh, fashion as well, because he has the most experience out of all these guys. So maybe that particular position that we think is not really solved right now, maybe according to Sal, he already has a plan in place for that guy. Yeah, for Jared Davis, like, I don't mind betting, taking the one-year swing on a first-round talent, thinking Matt Patricia to defense is what Adam Gase is to offense. I think there could be some legs there. And I think, why, I think I have a little more faith in him than most just because everyone talks about Robert Tala being a linebacker whisperer, and this is his position. It's been rumored he had he handpicked Fred Warner, who's one of the best linebackers in football, and they got him in the third round. He found Dre Greenlaw, I think it was in the fifth round. So I'm, I give oh, when the like, when he needs the benefit of the doubt, linebackers, where are you going to give it to him? James, I'll throw the question to you. What are your expectations for Robert Tala and in this defense a lot? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how similar the defense is to the 49ers. Um, there are a few things here. I think the first thing is the 49ers defense evolved over the three or four years that he was with them. Initially, they were more of a static cover three defense, but over time, they became more diverse in their coverages and started running cover two, some cover three, um, you know, some cover four and some quarters. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see what iteration of the 49ers defense this defense embodies. I'd say one of the other interesting things is what are the Atlanta influences that Jeff Ulbrich brings? Um, we know that Atlanta had a pretty crappy defense last year. They were extremely static in what they did. Uh, and they were probably one of the like, you know, not so good defenses in the NFL. So I'm sort of interested in seeing what's the value add with Ulbrich and, you know, what is he going to be bringing that's distinct from what the 49ers did. But overall, I would say I'm optimistic. I mean, it's hard not to be when you see how Robert Sala did as a coordinator when all of his good players were injured. So I think, you know, the, the arrow's pointing up for the Jets defense. Yeah, no, um, I think Greg Williams, I think that 2019 got really, really like overblown about the job he did. And when you look at the quarterbacks they played that year, I think that really was the reflector of how good that defense was more than how good the coaching was. And with Robert Sala, I think that a lot of people had some questions about him as defensive coordinator going into 2020. And we saw like 2017, 2018 was okay. And then when he got Nick Bosa, when like, and then Buckner really came along, they signed D Ford, Richard Sherman was fully healthy. That defense, we weren't really sure, was it the talent or was it the scheme? And when Nick Bosa got hurt, they traded DeForest Buckner. Richard Sherman got hurt. That defense really was the best part of that team last year. I think that really bodes well for the Jets. So I think we're going to end with this last question. James, I'll start with you. The Jets and offense aren't really like, they don't really go well together. Like, no one picks the Jets to play Madden because their offense is normally terrible. What does it feel like to actually have an offense with real potential and actually can be very exciting, even with a rookie quarterback? I mean, I'm excited. It's going to be fun. I mean, I watched the first eight weeks of the 49ers 2020 season just to see what that offense looked like. And it was great. It was explosive. And they generated a lot of explosives through the run game, which is like the opposite of what happened with Jets, where we were just running into a brick wall three times and like expecting something else to happen. 
Um, I think one of the things about the offense that's so great is they use a lot of screens. They put the ball in the hands of their playmakers in space. Um, they're really good at doing that through the play action pass game. They Since the run game is so effective, they open up such large passing windows in the play action pass game. So that's probably the most exciting thing that I'm looking forward to, just seeing those massive holes for Zach Wilson to throw through. Um, so, I, I, you know, I'm really excited for it. I think it's going to be fun to watch. With the Jets, I think the craziest thing that I'm about to say for the entire podcast is they haven't had a quarterback's coach since 2017. In Sam's rookie year, like the entire time Sam was the quarterback. Like Jeremy Bates was the offensive coordinator, no quarterback coach. Adam Gase, it was he was calling plays. Dow was the offensive coordinator. He's basically holding the challenge flag, nothing. And I'm really excited about the infrastructure that Robert Sala has for this offense. Mike first calling plays. Um, Rob Calabrese is the quarterback coach who Sala talked about as a future coordinator. They have, I think it's George Knapp, who was Steve Young's offensive coordinator back in the day, had like that guy who's been in the NFL and in college game forever, having that old stage in the room. So as much as I'm excited about the personnel, I'm just excited about having a competent group of individuals in the meeting rooms every day. And coaching is so important, and I'm really excited for that, to have Zach Wilson on these young players grow. Joe, what are your thoughts on this offense and the potential about how fun it can be? Yeah, Meeks, I think it could be really fun, and I'm mostly excited for this wide zone system. I've been a huge fan of the Shanahan run game for a long time, and I'm absolutely thrilled they hired a coaching staff that will deploy it. Listen, outside zone produces the most explosive run plays in the NFL. No run concept yields a higher rate of 20 plus yard gains, and I'm excited they're bringing that kind of explosiveness to the offense. Of course, we also have to remember it also holds the highest probability of busting for zero or fewer yards. So it's important to get the right players in here to execute it properly. And that's exactly what Joe Douglas is doing with guys like Elijah Vera Tucker and, and Michael Carter. And you know what, Meeks? I have this really kind of unique way of looking at the outside zone run. I compare it to the NBA three-point shot. And I think the outside zone is the NFL's version of the three-pointer. And I'm not talking about field goals here, so stick with me. It's this lower percentage play that pays huge dividends when you're hitting it consistently. And the Jets haven't had a dominant run game in over 10 years when they made a trade for Thomas Jones, or you could go all the way back to Curtis Martin. So I'm pumped to potentially have a version of that 2019 49ers run game that absolutely dominated the opposition en route to the Super Bowl appearance. And if they execute this concept like it's meant to be run, again, we're in store for some really fun football. Yeah, no, after an entire decade of where our offensive DVOA, the highest was 14th, um, I'm ready for anything. Yeah, Meeks, I totally hear you. I'm, I'm really ready for anything too. And before we let the listeners go, James, also known as Fuego Jets Takes, has an awesome interview that was previously recorded with one of Elijah Vera Tucker's coaches from USC. Take it away, James. Hey, everybody. Today we have a really special guest on the pod who can hopefully tell us a little bit more about the Jets' newest first-round pick, Elijah Vera Tucker. And that man is Vianney Talamai-Vau. Coach Talamai-Vau is an offensive quality control analyst at USC. He spent 2019 and 2020 as a graduate assistant working with the offensive line. During Coach Talamai Vau's time working with the USC O-line, Elijah Vera Tucker made All-Pac-12 in 2020, and in 2019, Austin Jackson made the All-Pac-12 first team. Prior to coaching, Coach Talamai Vau started as an offensive guard for most of his four seasons playing at USC and was in training camp with the Seattle Seahawks in 2018. We're thrilled to welcome Coach to the pod to shed some light on one of the newest Jets, Elijah Vera Tucker. Coach, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. That was quite the introduction. <laughs> so I guess the place where I'd love to start is 
um, just by asking, when was the first time that you met Elijah and what were your first impressions of him as a player and a person? Um, the very first time I met Elijah was actually while I was playing at USC. He was a senior in high school. Um, I was actually part of his recruiting process for a little bit. And that was really the first time, I forgot what year it was, but it was really the first time I was able to meet um, Elijah as well as his family. So it's, it's been a while. And when you first started working with Elijah, how was he as a player? And how did you and the USC coaching staff help him get from where he was then to becoming a top 15 NFL draft pick? Um, Elijah was an outstanding player. Um, right away, very, very early on, you could tell the kid had an amazing uh, skill set and was so explosive. And, and obviously, through the years, he's been able to refine um, the technical aspect of, of what he does at the position. But he's always been very gifted, always been very explosive. Um, and honestly, you know, over the years, he's he, he's developed into quite the technician, I believe. And, um, and yeah, it was evident from day one that, you know, I think everybody in the building knew that uh, he was going to be a special player. Mm. And you mentioned him being a technician. Was this something that he came in with or something that you guys developed over time? Or was it a combination of the two? Uh, I, I'd say it was a combination of the two. I mean, the kid came in and, and he had a skill set already and, Again, over the years, and it's credit to him and credit to the coaches around him at SC that were able to help, um, you know, develop him even further. But, you know, he always had a, a tremendous skill set. And, and one, he was a student of the game and always took well to coaching and always wanted to learn to get better and become the best. And so, you know, a lot of that is it's a great mixture of both, in my opinion. Yeah, you mentioned that he's a student of the game. Um, what are Elijah's film study habits and how does he try to prepare for opposing defensive linemen? Well, he does a good job of studying not only what defenses do, but he, he studies individual players, understands what we do well as, as an offense and what our game plan is going into the week. Um, so really, from a film study standpoint, Elijah watches it with great purpose. And, you know, he's watching the people he's going against, watching defensive schemes. And at the same time, you know, I think he does a good job of understanding what we're trying to accomplish that week in terms of the game plan. So he understands how to, he understands how to, you know, basically attack the week and, and, and how to attack the opponent. So, you know, he's always a kid that's going to come in, he's going to watch extra films, going to step really study, take notes and hone in on the details of, of game planning for whatever that week is. Mm, I'm sure Jets fans will love to hear that. Um, so currently the Jets are transitioning to the sort of Kyle Shanahan offense from San Francisco where it's predominantly outside zone and bootleg. Um, do you think that he is, you know, what are your thoughts on his fit in that system? Uh, from a movement standpoint, and just I think he fits in well with the scheme just because of the skill set. One of the things that Elijah has been really praised for is his versatility. He played left guard in 2019, and then he played left tackle in 2020. And while many believe that he can play tackle in the NFL, I know that the Jets plan on starting him at left guard in 2021. 
Um, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on a quote by Daniel Jeremiah, who's the former Raven scout and current draft analyst for NFL Network. And regarding Elijah, Daniel Jeremiah said, quote, I think he's got a chance to be a perennial all-pro as a guard. He plays with instincts and awareness. He's strong to anchor down. He always is under control. He did a really good job working up to the second level this year. He can bend. And everything you hear about him is he's highly intelligent and great character. That's what Dar- Daniel Jeremiah said about Elijah. And I guess I was just wondering, what are your thoughts on that? Um, you know, do you agree? And how do you think he projects as a guard? I agree 100%. I think he has, I, I, I think he, he has the ability and, and what he displayed to be an all-pro guard. And, you know, God willing, he just stays healthy. I think he's going to, I think he's going to have a fantastic NFL career. And I think he's going to be, a, uh, end up being an all-pro uh, interior lineman for for you guys, you know. So, um, in terms of his versatility, he said exactly right. I mean, being able to to move from guard to be able to play left tackle in space against uh, edge rushers in the Pac-12 um, and uh, dominate the way he did, you know, again, that just speaks to the, the skill set that he has and, and the kind of player he is. So, um, it to me, it projects incredibly well, especially if you're going to move him back to what his natural spot is at left guard or, you know, as an interior lineman, I think he's going to flourish in that. Mm. And just kind of digging into that a little bit, for people who might not be super familiar with the difference between playing guard and playing tackle, what would you say is the main difference in the job and the skill set that is required? And how do you think Elijah's game matches up? For for in terms of uh, moving from guard to tackle, moving from tackle to guard, we're whole planning on the tackle to guard. I mean, I mean, I'll start from from the from, from the latter. Just moving from inside to outside, immediately you're, you're being put into more open field, open space mm. sort of matchups, and essentially it does become a little bit more of a one on one game on the edge. So for people to be, especially with someone his size, being able to move out in space versus speed rushes on the edge. Um, you know, again, that's that's very hard to do, even for people who are quote unquote prototypical tackles in terms of size. Now, I think the game inside for Elijah um, is going to be a better fit for him because everything. Not, the point of attack is so much quicker, right? And he's going to be blocking guys a little bigger that are a little more similar in size profile to, uh, to he is, as opposed to you know blocking those dudes who are a little longer. And stuff like that, but I think the inside game where he, a lot of his skill set in terms of um, being stout at the point of contact and being able to move and to climb and to set double team as a guard, I think is going to help him out, or I think is going to be real more of a natural move for him, um, especially you know in, in past situations where he's going to have to, you know, short set or quick set, you know, three techniques and you know, defensive tackles. So I think. Um, I think it translates really well for him. And one of the things that you mentioned a few times is how explosive he is. And you also mentioned how much of technician he is. Uh, And so one of the questions that Jets fans on Twitter had uh, that they wanted me to ask you was, he's really athletic and he has great technique. Do you think his hands or his feet are his better attribute? Uh, That's a tough one, man, because I think they're (laughs) both And I think... um... I'm glad I'm glad you brought this up, man. His hands, for one, the first thing that sticks out is how well he can move with his feet. But then you watch his hands; he's able to strike and lock on the guys, and really anchor and sit down on people. Um, 
really with the same efficiency of, of, of his feet, man. I think it's hard to pick. I think uh, <laughs> I think the most obvious answer is his feet, but really to me, they you know it, it's almost you know they're you pick your poison. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. you know, I think he has really really great hands that complement his really good feet. So I mean, he has a deadly combination of both. And I know you mentioned that you sort of agreed with Daniel Jeremiah that Elijah has an all-pro ceiling in the NFL. Um, what are the areas to improve for Elijah um, or challenges that you think he'll face in the NFL that, that he's going to need to overcome in order to get to that ceiling? You know, for one, I think, I think Elijah is still – I think even now he's still developing physically. You know, I, um, you know, I think he's going to be able to – um, mature even more because I mean he, he is so young going at this age you know what I mean and mm-hmm. I think he still has room to grow physically I think he still has room to grow from uh, even just from a schematical standpoint and understanding the game even more and he's an incredibly smart player so you know under the right tutelage man I think he I think he has I think him reaching his ceiling um, won't be it's not going to be too daunting of a task you know and I think you know, I think he can be a little, uh, he probably can have, you know, develop a little more power at the next level, uh, just in terms of, you know, being able to run the ball and be able to move inside guys off the ball. Um, but again, you're getting a player that understands great angles, understands leverage, that understands, um, has a great understanding of, of, of leverage in terms of, uh, just run blocking and especially pass protection. So, you know, I, I think, uh, when people talk about his ceiling, it's it's with the thought of he still has room to grow physically and still has room to grow and to learn, um, especially at that level. So, you know, I think he, I, I agree. I think he does project really well. And I think those are just a few things that he needs to, uh, that will, that he will continue to grow upon, you know? For sure. Um, are there any uh, offensive linemen in the NFL that Elijah reminds you of, either sort of stylistically, his attributes um, that he reminds you of or compares to? You know, like for he reminds me, he reminds me of, of really when I watch him play, and especially at left tackle this past year. You know, you, you look at him and you kind of compare him to some tackles in the league just by how he moves. Um, you know, he and he's not not necessarily as big as uh some guards run the league so but you know it kind of reminds me of the kind of play he kind of reminds me of uh of, of the center kelsey a little bit mm. um just in terms of mobility and being able uh being able to move out in space and you know again he plays every down with you know bad intentions man and he, and he plays hard to the whistle so he, i actually compare him to him um and you know I, that's just me <laughs> But no, I, I, I think he's going to do, well, uh, do well. Now, I know Elijah was a captain last season. Um, I was just wondering if you could speak to Elijah's leadership abilities, you know, either with anecdotes or examples. Um, in what ways did Elijah serve as a leader on the offensive line or on the team in general? Um, he was an alpha. You know, Elijah's very much uh, a lead-by-example kind of person. Um, uh, gets vocal when he needs to, but he sets the tone by his work. And um, uh, I think elite players all have that quality of making everyone around them better. And 
the way he showed up every day, uh, whether it be workouts, whether it be meetings or practice, you know, every day he was, you know, he was the first one in, last one to leave type of person. And, um, you know, just his personality, he was just a workhorse, man. And uh, he had great presence. And, you know, like I said, when, when things needed to get done, he was the one to lead it. So he, he was very much a lead by example kind of uh, person and everyone sort of gravitated towards that and respected that. I'm sure Jets fans will love to hear that. Um, I guess just the last question, and thanks so much for your time, um, is just could you speak to Jets fans who are listening and just sort of tell them what they're getting in Elijah, both the player uh, and the person? Um, you guys are getting a workhorse, man. You guys are getting uh, a fantastic player, but more importantly, someone who's going to uh, do it the right way. And you, get, you guys are getting a, a fanatical leader. You guys are getting a, a unbelievable person and someone who's going to, you know, give the organization 110% for as long as you can uh, every snap. So, you know, it's it's a hell of a pick. <laughs> <laughs> That's great to hear. Really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us um, and being so generous. Oh, no worries. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Guys, appreciate you rocking with us this week. Please, this Wednesday, go to the Channel and Jets YouTube channel. Subscribe. Turn on post notifications. Steven Zance, Steven Russo, turn on the Jets live. They're going to be rocking Jets coverage the entire summer. When you want to overreact to plays in minicamp or OTAs, they're going to be there. When, like, when Zach Wilson throws his first preseason touchdown, we all think he's going to be the next Patrick Mahomes. They're going to be there breaking it down. Connor Rogers is on this Wednesday. Do not miss it. Have a great weekend, guys.